God told me before I came to him, he said, the only way you're going to decide whether I am trustworthy is if you give me a chance and you trust me. That's actually a very simple formula because you cannot know whether the chair that you're looking at is going to hold your weight until you actually sit on it. I am a chocoholic. I love chocolate. I love Belgian, French, European, dark chocolate. But if you've never had the real good chocolate, I'm from Pennsylvania, where there is a very famous chocolate brand that I'm not going to name because I don't think it's real chocolate. That doesn't qualify as chocolate to me. It qualifies as candy. And my point is, if you've never had the really good stuff, and I would say maybe you've never really had chocolate, you have at some point, you're going to have to take a bite because I can describe to you good chocolate but if you've never tasted it you don't really know what I'm talking about and God told me the exact same thing if you don't experience me if you don't take a bite you're never going to know what it's like to trust me you're listening to Altered Stories with Michelle Renee Gutch hello Altered Story Show listeners this is Michelle Saunders Gutch your chief storyteller host and welcome to the Altered Stories show, episode 68, Stephanie's From French Atheism to Biblical Christianity God Story. And thank you for listening to the show, and I hope you've subscribed. Friends, as we are approaching our Thanksgiving holiday here in America, I wanted to take this opportunity to thank God for many who have supported me as I have worked to build Altered Stories Ministry and this podcast show. Today, I'd like to thank my husband, Mark Gutch, my daughter, Tani Saunders, my board members, Sandy Williams, Brenda Curls, and Janine Adens. My podcast team, Kadosh Media and ministry volunteers, and former podcast guests, Teresa Blaze and Amber Wyrock. I'd also like to thank a few ministry supporters who volunteered at events, Sandy Popejoy, Lori Poji, and Liz Blake. And special thanks to Keith Custer here in the Kansas City area with The Ripple, Sarah Brown with the Voyage Casey Magazine, and the Casey Women's Missional Leadership Team members, Karen Blankenship and Belinda Kendall. Also, I cannot be remiss and thanking Eric Nevins with the Christian Podcasters Association and Misty Phillip with Spark Media Ventures for their great support. I am so grateful to the many fellow podcasters who have also honored my story by having me on their shows. Eric Nevins with Halfway There, Teresa Blaze with Unresolved Life, Letters from Home podcast, host Meg Gleesner, Fierce Calling podcast host Doris Swift, Stephanie Sage Show, Rochelle Morlock with Growing Women of Faith, Chantel Cox with Create a Life You Love, Daniel Mike Parker with Crowned in Purpose podcast too. Above all, I'm thankful to God for keeping me encouraged as I continue to follow my calling and do the work he's asked me to do to help Christian women share their God stories so women around the world can hear them. And we are around the world, friends. We're in 40 countries, and I'm hoping to pick up more with God's favor. Now, friends, it's time to get the show started. I'm excited to bring the, to the mic today my special guest from Pennsylvania, 
Stephanie Roselli. And I met Stephanie through Spark Media Christian Podcast in the community group. And I believe we were at the same conference in Houston when we first had that conference launched. So here's what you need to know about Stephanie, friends. And I'm going to give her the mic here soon. She's the founder of Gospel Spice Ministries and the host of the Gospel Spice podcast, which is very popular. It is out there, friends, and it is growing. Uh, She's got some amazing guests, so you'll hear more from her about her podcast. She was born and raised in France and has served the Lord over the last two decades on three continents, four countries, and five cities through six professional roles. In addition, she is a wife, a mom, a public speaker, a Bible teacher, a former women's ministry director, and a strategy consultant. And I love this about her. She speaks 100% French. So good morning, Stephanie. Welcome to the show. It's probably afternoon out your way. Thank you. How are you? Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me on today. It's such a pleasure and a delight to be with you. Well, thank you for being my guest today. And can you share with my listeners anything else about yourself personally that I may not have shared? Yeah, sure. Well, you mentioned that I grew up atheist. And I think that's kind of where my story picks up in the sense that I was not just culturally atheist, as a lot of French people would be, it was a decision I had made as a teenager to truly embrace atheism as my worldview. And so I was intellectually very prone to embracing that particular worldview. Uh, But things changed when I came to the United States as a foreign exchange student for my senior year of high school when I was 16 years old. And I ended up spending the entire school year with an American family in the Pittsburgh area. And they happened to be very strong followers of Jesus. And that is where I actually met Christians for the first time. The only Christians, quote unquote, I had met before were through the books authored by my atheist heroes. And so it was a very distorted view of Christianity. I have learned there the importance of embracing a culture, a culture, whatever it is, even if it's the atheist worldview, to embrace that from the perspective of the people who are teaching it, not the perspective of those that are attacking them. In other words, if you want to understand Christianity, do not only read atheist authors, but that actually applies to Christians as well. When we want to understand other worldviews, do not only read Christian books on those other worldviews, but also read those other worldviews books. And then yes, do go to Christians to help you interpret as necessary. But it's very important for me to have realized that The Christianity I thought I had understood was actually the one that atheism was promoting and explaining, and it wasn't the true Christianity that I discovered for the first time with my American mom and dad. And long story short, it led me to accept the Lord at the end of my senior year of high school and to go back to France, um, as I like to joke, convinced I was the very first French Christian ever because I had never met one, even though I later discovered, obviously, a long string of heroes of the faith in my countrymen from Blaise Pascal to Montesquieu, Montaigne, and many more. But at the time, I was not aware of them. Okay. Well, that's really good to know because I'm not really sure exactly what all you want to bring to the audience around your particular God story. 
from French atheism to biblical Christianity, but I'm sure that is good background and understanding to know about you regardless. And so I appreciate you sharing that. And one of the things I would also love for you to share with my audience today is a little bit about your ministry and podcast, Stephanie, because um, it seems like your nonprofit kind of brought you to your podcast. Is that correct? Or how, how did that trans? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's actually the other way around. The podcast okay. led me to the nonprofit. But the, the story behind that really is um, it, it all started with the way the Lord led me to himself, because uh, as a very strong atheist, I very quickly came to the realization of the historical truth of the resurrection, which is a huge stumbling block for an atheist. It's very uncomfortable for an atheist, Michelle, to believe that the resurrection is a historical fact. It's it's very uncomfortable. And there, I sat there for a while and it led me to believe that Jesus was God, but that it was not enough to make me believe that God was indeed a trustworthy master for my life. And at the time I was 17, very much in control of my life and thinking I could manage things very well, thank you very much, and did not need God. And so it was a matter of establishing God's trustworthiness. And I think that applies to many of us. Many of us struggle in life, even as mature believers, because we doubt his trustworthiness. Is God really having my best interest at heart? I am literally right now in the middle of reading through Job. And that is definitely a question he was asking, even though he had faith in God in what he understood of God with his limited access to revelation. And we have much more. But despite the fact that we have so much more revelation from God than Job ever had, we still struggle with the same age-old question of God's trustworthiness. And at the end of the day, God told me before I came to him, he said, the only way you're going to decide whether I am trustworthy is if you give me a chance and you trust me. And that's actually a very simple formula because you cannot know whether the chair that you're looking at is going to hold your weight until you actually sit on it, correct? And I am a chocoholic. I love chocolate. I love Belgian, French, European dark chocolate. But if you've never had the real good chocolate, I'm from Pennsylvania, where there is a very famous uh, chocolate, quote unquote, brand that I'm not going to name because I don't think it's real chocolate. Uh, they're yeah, really good at I marketing. I know what you're talking about. I do know where I've been there. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think, it, I mean, they're very good at marketing and the founder was probably a hero of the faith, but nonetheless, that doesn't qualify as chocolate to me. It qualifies as candy. And actually in France, we have in the supermarkets, we have the candy aisle, and then we actually have a chocolate aisle where there's only the yummy, good, dark stuff. My point is, if you've never had the really good stuff, I would challenge you and I would say maybe you've never really had chocolate you have at some point, you're going to have to take a bite because I can describe to you good chocolate, but if you've never tasted it, you don't really know what I'm talking about. And God told me the exact same thing. If you don't experience me, if you don't take a bite, you're never going to know what it's like to trust me. And in other words, he, he didn't use Psalm 34, 8, which has become a 37, 8, which has become my life verse, taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, but that's basically what it was. He was inviting me to taste and see and then determine whether he truly was good. And so that's what I did. And sure enough, I discovered that God is good, but that you have to taste, you have to give him a chance. And this 
30 years later, fast forward, was the seeds behind Gospel Spice Ministries. And that is why we are called Spice, because it's about tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. And it is about reminding people who may have experienced a level of staleness in their relationship with God, and I think that's all of us, to remind all of us that we need to taste and see the goodness of the Lord. And we do this through bringing maybe a slightly different approach to your experience of scripture, especially for us in the 21st century Western Christianity. We think when we are used to reading our Bibles that it's maybe a little bit stale. Maybe the Bible hasn't been speaking to you so much lately. Maybe you're going to it, but it feels dry and stale. And maybe it's because you are treating your Bible and maybe even your relationship with God as you would leftovers. And if you've ever been to a restaurant and in America, I love it. You know, we've lived in the U.S. for about six years now. When you go to a restaurant in America, they serve you way more food than you can eat in one setting. So we all go home with our little cardboard boxes that we put in our fridges. And then the next day for lunch, we're going to get the little box out of the fridge. And chances are we're going to put it in the microwave for about 30 seconds. And we're going to eat that. And I don't know about you, when I do that, I'm always disappointed. It never tastes as good as it did the night before because microwaving something is just not the right way to go to reheat something. It's going to provide heat, but it's not going to help with the texture. You, I'm sure we've all experienced very gummy, chewy, stale leftovers. And so what we do at Gospel Spice is that we're like, you know what? Don't do, don't microwave your spiritual leftovers. Don't open your Bible like you would a microwave. What we do is that we invite you to sprinkle some fresh cultural spices on top of your food and then let it simmer in the oven. Your house is going to smell amazing. It is going to take a little bit longer, but at the end of the day, you may end up with a meal that tastes better than it did the night before because you took the time to let God reveal himself to you in ways that you hadn't seen before. And so that's what we do at Gospel Spice. And we do it through the podcast. We do it through Bible studies, through events. Um, and that's kind of the genesis of our story at Gospel Spice. Well, I love it. And thank you for sharing it because I love the name. It's to me really a creative way to draw others to the gospel. It's an intriguing way. And so I personally have enjoyed learning more from what you've shared through your podcast as well, Stephanie. So thank you for sharing that. I love stories. Mm -hmm. You know, Michelle, we all have our favorite spices, right? And yes. I've noticed in the West, many of us really tend to favor in America, you know, a spice I had never heard of living in France was all-purpose garlic salt. And it's interesting because it seems to me that all-purpose garlic salt is the one go-to spice that Americans go to to cook. And that's fine. But again, what we're trying to do at Gospel Spice is take you back to a different set of spices. So we're going to take you to the first century Jewish culture. And there we're going to sprinkle some cardamom, some cinnamon, some cilantro, and some cumin on your experience of scripture. And it's going to taste very different from all-purpose garlic salt, which is the American 21st century spice. Or we may choose to take you to France and we may study some of the words in French and in English and how the French culture might bring nuances to scripture that you may not have in English 
or vice versa. And so we can have some French spices as well. And uh, that's how we do it. Therefore, the name, uh, because then you know what happens, Michelle, when you experience a spice for the first time and it's going to then become one of your favorite spices ever and you're going to start putting it on everything. Well, spiritually speaking, once you have tasted the spice of the gospel, God challenges us to then become the spice of the gospel, the salt of the earth to the world around us. And so gospel spice is about inviting you to experience new flavors and depth in scripture and then inviting you to go out into the world and be that spice of the gospel to a world that is desperately in need of light and salt and away from the staleness that this world brings us every single day. So it's about equipping you with the spice and then sending you with that spice in order to spice up the world in the name of Jesus. Well, that is, can't top that, Stephanie. That's phenomenal. It's needed. I love it. Thank you for sharing that detail. I can't wait for my just feedback on what you're sharing here today. I, of course, am very passionate about stories and telling stories. I have my own personal stories of what brought me to where I am today in my faith. That led me to start Altered Stories Ministry and the show. I would love to know from your perspective, Stephanie, why you think stories are so important to share. Oh, well, Jesus was the consummate storyteller, right? And uh, I think storytelling is such an intrinsic part of every culture, but of the Jewish culture in particular. And so when Jesus speaks into his own culture, he uses storytelling. And we have, by and large, kept this tradition, which is a beautiful thing, because our stories are worth a thousand words. And just like when I described to you Tasting and seeing dark chocolate for the first time, it probably evokes something or tasting a new spice or sprinkling spice on a stale dish in order to bring it back to life. We all relate to stories because they echo our own story in some way or when they don't, and that is the beautiful thing too, then we can truly learn from one another. God is weaving stories through time and space. And when he does that, he invites us to be the ones that he created us to be, to be imago dei, to be in his image as storytellers and also story bearers. Because I think there's beauty in what you're doing, Michelle, in inviting people to share their stories, even as you share yours, because it's about sharing our stories, but it's even there's even more power in hearing someone else's stories because it is the most beautiful gift you can give someone. And again, as Jesus said, there is definitely more joy in receiving, in giving than in receiving. So when you give me your story, I am enriched. Yes. And I love that for sure. And um, I think that's kind of the heart behind why I'm doing what I'm doing. So thank you so much, Stephanie. I really appreciate it. And you know, because you are fluent speaking, French, fluent French speaking, I would love for you, would you just share a few scriptures in French um, that you're comfortable mm -hmm. with that really yeah. speak in, to your heart? I mean, you know, one of the things I've learned is there's a lot, so many translations out there of the Bible, but Stephanie, there's still a lot of people don't have the Bible translated in their language across the world, you know? So I just would love though, to hear your, you know, just 
just some fluent speaking French in the word of God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm more than fluent speaking in French. I mean, it's my native tongue. I guess you could say I'm an English yes. fluent speaker, but I'm a native French speaker in some ways. So, well, it's interesting you're, when you're saying that a lot of languages do not have the scriptures. It's actually a fascinating project with one of our ministry partners, Biblica. Um, yeah. They are part of uh, the Illuminations Consortium, which is the 10 largest Bible yes. translators, Wycliffe and others. There's 10 of them. And they have uh, divided and conquered all of the languages that are not yet translated and their goal is that by 2033 so just you know 10 or 12 years away to have all of the bible translated or at least major portions of it in all of the languages of the most remote tribes so we're very close to that deadline and this is a project that is actually near and near to my heart as well so i'm glad to hear well, it matters the reason you know i went to a, a worship concert in my community and is it illumination they Yeah. were there and the speaker was there mm -hmm. and um this is part of the carrie I, i believe her last name is joby carrie joby yeah, carrie joby yeah yes. the blessing the blessing song and mm -hmm. i went and saw her and heard her and then the representative came on and spoke about what this is what is going on in this area specifically and they're out on tour trying to bring awareness to this so you know i did donate a little I was not aware that it was so big you know the need and so I'm really glad to hear that you're involved in it too yeah we have the privilege of partnering with Biblica it's uh, it's one of our gospel spice partners so we it's it's beautiful to see how the Lord is reaching this generation in unique ways but the French uh, have had the Bible probably even since before uh Americans, obviously, because we have had the Bible in Latin uh, for many, many centuries. And uh, you guys brought it over uh, when you um, when you were pilgrims several centuries ago. So the Bible has existed in French for many, 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 many centuries, as much as in English. And we have 16 to 18 primary French translations of the Bible. And I think there's 67 translations in English, unless I'm mistaken. And so it's fascinating to see the wide array of languages that the Bible is in. And so uh, you can go from extremely formal King James style in French, and you can go to extremely casual, the voice, the message type of translations as well. And so it's it's a beautiful mm -hmm. thing. And I do love how the French can bring some nuances sometimes that the English doesn't or vice versa. Actually, that word story that matters to you so much, uh, and rightly so. In English, you have two words. You have the word story, and you have the word history which are linked, obviously, mm -hmm. but these are two distinct words. In French, we only have one word for both. It's the same word to say story and history. And I love that because, Michelle, this tells me that your story is history. Mm. And it also tells me that history is really a bunch of stories together because history yes. truly is, it is about dates and names and places, but it really is about people. And so therefore, when you in French, in the French mindset, when the words story and history are the same word, it actually emphasizes your passion for telling our stories, telling our histories. Do you see that? So see oh, how yes. sometimes bringing in the French just adds a little spice to the mix. Mm -hmm. It sure does. Well, I've got a, some French background and um, I've never been too France, I hope too. And uh, so this is very, very cool. And you're teaching me a few things along the way. And our listeners that are listening, and for those that may not even be in France. So, uh, which it's hard to say, 
where God's going to take this particular mm -hmm. story. Psalm 23 is, let's think of a smaller scripture. Is there one? Well, I can give you, yeah. Well, okay. my favorite, my favorite uh, verse is out of Philippians 3, chapter 3, verse 10. And in English, it is um, Paul, after he summarized his coming to faith from a, a background very different than mine, but kind of Paul and I had in common an arrogance and a control freakness where we really thought that what we were doing was the right thing. And then God kind of stopped us in our tracks and uh, you can relate to that as well. And just kind of telling us that he is the way, the truth and the life. And so in Philippians 3.10, Paul expounds in a passage that moves me deeply where he says, I want to know Christ. That is the essence of my desire in life. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship in his sufferings. That's Philippians 3.10. And in the Amplified, it just, I love the, how it's, for my determined purpose is that I would experience Christ and the depth of the knowledge that is possible in him. And it just, the amplified version is, is always a beautiful way to, to study scripture. And so this word to know Christ, Paul isn't referring to just head knowledge. And again, that's where French is interesting because when you look at this verse in French, there are two words in English. Uh, there's one word in English to know. But in French, we have two words. So just like in French, we have only one word for story and history. To know, it's the other way around. You guys only have one word, but we have two. Mm -hmm. And they refer to different things. The first word we have that you would translate to know refers to head knowledge in French. And it's the word savoir. And actually, you savoir. know that word from savoir-faire to know how, right? Savoir-faire is literally know-how, to know how to do something or to know about something. And so if you look in the Bible, there's about a thousand times that the word to know is used in English in both the old and the new. Out of those thousand times or so, about 300 times, it's the French savoir. In your French Bible, you would have 300 times that word savoir and it's head knowledge. And so it's a word you will find primarily in the Old Testament. It's um, in the Chronicles. It's the historical facts, right? The stories and histories are head knowledge because I haven't experienced them. They're your story. That's head knowledge. It's uh, Solomon when he talks about wisdom. Even that is considered head knowledge because it's not necessarily always applied practically. But then the 700 other times that the word to know is used in French, it's another word. It's the word connaître. And that is heart knowledge. It's experiential knowledge. And it is a word that is the knowledge of God in the Psalms. When David cries out that the desire of his heart is to know God, that he wants to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's that notion of experiential knowledge. It's not head knowledge about God. He wants to know that he knows that he knows his Lord. And that is what we want too. And that is what Jesus has made possible. Jesus has, by walking on this earth and by being the face, the, the face of the glory of God in the by being the, uh, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. That's Second Corinthians 4, 6, another favorite verse. The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Jesus reveals to us God from an experiential knowledge perspective. And so that word, connaître, is obviously the one being used here in Philippians 3.10. When Paul says, I want to know Christ, this is not head knowledge. This is heart 
knowledge. And so that's why I love this verse among others. And actually 95% of the times that Paul uses the English word to know, it would be the French connaître. It's about heart knowledge, not head knowledge. And so the French, Philippians 3.10, you will now hear the French. I'm going to say it to you in French and you will recognize that word to know, connaître. And Paul says, c'est ainsi que je pourrais connaître Christ, c'est-à-dire expérimenter la puissance de sa résurrection et avoir part à ses souffrances, devenant semblable à lui jusque dans sa mort. So you heard it at the very beginning of the verse, connaître, not savoir, because it's not about head knowledge with Jesus, it's about heart knowledge. Really, really good. Thank you, Stephanie, because I've never studied anything outside of English scripture. And so it's really interesting to hear the different translations and how language has transcended. So this is just really cool. Thank you so much. And now, Stephanie, you know, you've shared a little bit about your story from French atheism to biblical Christianity. But for my listening audience, would you step back? and share where the story began. And I mean, around the transformation, the significance about the experience, all those things that brought you to where you are today as the founder of the ministry for Gospel Spice and doing what you're doing and how God has called you. So we have, I know you've got a tight schedule, We've got, I'm hoping maybe another 10, 15 minutes for you totally to share. So where you're comfortable, can you share your God story? Yeah. So, I mean, I've shared a little bit already of coming to faith from atheism in the U.S. And then I left the U.S. a baby Christian, just literally probably still wet from baptism pretty much and uh, went back to France and thought that I would spend my life in France. But God had other plans. Uh, we moved around the world a lot. Uh, my husband and I have lived uh, in Africa. We have lived in the UK and now we are stateside. And so it has been very interesting, Michelle, to see how God's finger has woven our story together. He definitely is the master storyteller and the story weaver. And in that sense, he has really has, I love, you know, you hear it so often that where God begins with us is often going to be the seeds of the purpose that he has for us. And I am no exception to that in the sense that I mentioned, you know, God called me to experience him, to connect uh, heart knowledge of him, to trust him, taste and see that the Lord is good. And indeed, once I had tasted and seen, there was no going back to my old ways of atheism because God truly transforms us. I read recently from a leading megachurch pastor that I'm not going to quote, uh, that God doesn't really change us when we become Christians. He just reveals what was already there. I think that's crap, to be honest, you know, and that's why I'm not going to name that megachurch pastor, but he is absolutely huge. And it just grieved me to read this from him because that's not my experience. And I don't think that's biblical. I think God promises that in Christ, we are literally a new creation. 
And so that the old is gone and that the new has come. And I am truly a different person than I was. And the seeds that God planted are still the ones that are blossoming today in so many ways. The fact that, again, taste and see has become my motto. And that's what I'm inviting my audience into, people who have experienced that staleness in their relationship with God. And, you know, Michelle, it's interesting because... Um, except for the past six years in the US, I've always lived in cultures that were somewhat opposed to the message of the gospel. And so there, my faith and the faith of the believers around me always came at somewhat of a cost, whether it was open persecution or it was more subtle, like in France, where it really is uh, frowned upon to be a believer. People think you've checked your brains at the door, that you've become stupid, that no one can truly be intellectual and a Christian. And it's my quest, having a passion for apologetics and for theology to, to kind of show, you know, that I've never been so challenged intellectually as since I came to faith. And because scripture is bottomless, um, you can just delight as an intellectual you can delight in the in the glory of God and in the beauty of scripture. My personal motto is um, God's glory or delight, because I really believe that the importance of delight, of experiential knowledge of God is what glorifies him and allows us to enjoy him forever. So this these have been some of the themes that God has woven in my life story, and they come to fruition right now in the U.S., because I never thought we would live in the U.S. Um, we, we thought we, we would stay on the other side of the pond of the Atlantic. And when God brought us here within days, literally days of moving stateside following my husband's job, I was hired as the women's director for a large non-denominational Bible church uh, here in the Northeast. And I started teaching more regularly. I had been teaching scripture for 20 years, but this was something I was starting to do a lot more of. And it was fascinating to me, Michelle, to rub shoulders with the American church for the first time since I had been baptized by um, another non-denominational Bible church 30 years before. And my experience at the time when I was a teenager was that um, I was surrounded by very strong Christians. And it was a beautiful thing. My husband and I used to call America Narnia because you go, you take an airplane, you don't go through a wardrobe, but it's the same idea. You end up in this almost magical fairyland where in our case it was this little bubble of christian believers where it, it was just very koinona ish in the greek word for community it was a beautiful thing and i thought that's what america was um it's not <laughs> as i came to discover and so when i found myself amongst these beautiful women in my church and i had the privilege of leading them um, i discovered that many of them were indeed struggling with a stale faith and that surprised me because I, I didn't know what to do with it. And I felt, well, you know, God could have used any story to lead me to himself, but he chose to lead me to his throne through the American church. And so I feel a debt of gratitude to the American church in general, to the Christians, uh, to the American Christians, because that is how God chose to weave my story. And therefore, you know, in this season of Thanksgiving, I am deeply grateful to American Christians for being the ones that God used to lead me to him. And therefore, I want to express my debt of gratitude by giving back through God's gift that he has given me, this ability that he gave me to teach. I want to teach the American Christians how to delight in God, how to taste and see that he is good, because by and large, we have forgotten that. And that grieves me. So you see how all of those threads, all of 
those threads of stories are coming together and, and Gospel Spice is ultimately, for me, my expression of gratitude to American believers for the fact that God used them all those years ago to bring me to him. And now um, I have the privilege of um, enticing you away from staleness in the faith and towards a much more exciting, spicy, experiential faith uh, and deeply, deeply biblical, truly. So, yes. I love it. And Stephanie, I don't want to get too personal, but I mean, are, are your children, how have you brought your children along? Oh, that is such a lovely, that's a great you question. Know, I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's important to hear it because. Yeah, great question. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you, do you mind sharing? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, totally. So of course, you know, I wasn't, a, I wasn't, um, I wasn't a mom when I came to the U.S. initially. I was 16, but then met my husband, who is uh, of African descent, and we got married. He actually came from another faith himself. And so both of us are really first-generation believers in both of our families. Actually, to this day, no one in our families of origin, either on his side or on my side, no one is a believer. This, um, this is a great grief to our hearts, and we are we have been in constant prayer for, for almost three decades for our family members, but for our children, you know, who were born in this very cross-cultural context with many different cultures and languages swirling around the house all the time, we have had to pretty much invent what it's like to raise children in the faith, because that was not our experience, but also, you know, Michelle, um, I was, both of us were extremely careful that we would not raise our children as Christians in the sense of them just riding on their parents' faith. It was very important for us to explain the faith, our faith to them in order for them to decide for themselves. We always made sure that they knew that it's not because mom and dad have chosen this, that they have necessarily chosen this. This is going to be a choice that they're going to need to make. So we never baptize them as infants, even though I understand why people do that. And I, I, I appreciate that for those who choose to dedicate their children to the Lord in that way. But for us, even when they were six or seven and eight and their little friends would start getting baptized and they would express an interest, I, my husband and I would sit them down and would say, you know, it's probably better if you wait, because we want to know that when you make that decision, it truly is a decision that you are making, not just to do like your friends, not to please mom and dad, because you know how happy that would make us, but because it truly is a commitment between you and the Lord. And so we almost would discourage them from getting baptized, you know, maybe not so much that, but you know what I'm saying, until we, until they really could express that they had embraced uh, Christ as their own Lord and Savior. And so they both got baptized about two years ago when they were uh, 15 and 17, we did it in the ocean and it was a beautiful baptism. Uh, and, and so now they're both walking with the Lord. They're uh, almost 20 and almost 18. And so they are, um, they're doing well. You know, I don't know what the future has for them, but for sure they are in the Lord's hands. And it is, oh, as you know, Michelle, it is a mother's greatest joy to, to have their, her children walk with the Lord. Um, so, yes, yes. And I really love that. Um, you know, there is really a lot of children who do do live out their faith through their parents. And I think it's to see, you know, when your children move away and they're out there and they're struggling and trying to find their identity in who they are. So I think there's a lot of wisdom in what 
you've shared there. And of course you want to teach them. So we spent a lot of time teaching mm -hmm. them about our faith. And we would say right now, you feel like you believe because yes, you know, you're five, you're six, you're 10, you are writing on our faith and that's normal and that's beautiful and that's acceptable, but it cannot stop there. Uh, this is the beginning. It's, it's showing you the way you should go. And now you have to walk in it. And so it has to be their decision. And so we always stressed that this is what mom and dad have chosen. This is what we think is true. This is what we're teaching you because we want to share with you the best of what we have discovered, but you're going to have to decide for yourself whether it is truly what you want. And so it's teaching both of those elements. Uh, Five-year-olds can understand that. I think we don't give kids enough credit sometimes. A five-year-old is perfectly able to understand when you tell them something like that. Okay. Yes, I agree with you. And um, I'm learning that with my granddaughter mm -hmm. and she's almost three. It's so amazing. She is going to a Christian preschool, but she brought home a picture that says fall for Jesus. It's a fall picture, but it says fall for Jesus. I mean, she's starting to just, you know, personalize Jesus a little or, you know, in, in just seeing the personal pieces of who Jesus is. Although, of course, she's of course. not received him in her heart or anything yet, but and praying, you know, it's just nice to see some of those seeds you know, being planted. So, so Stephanie, we're running short on time. Oh, this has been a wonderful time with you. And, you know, one of the things I would like to hear from you is for, you know, those listeners today that are atheists and could be, and they're struggling really in the whole idea of Christianity and, you know, what, what that means to them in the way that they're thinking. Um, I know God draws people were chosen and he um, works through the Holy Spirit. And I know that is what, you know, brings people to him, but I know God's going to use your words and he's going to use our conversation today. But I would like to from, hear from you for those that might be struggling. They're really on the fence. I mean, what, what words of wisdom would you have mm. for those that may be struggling in just trying to sort out, you know, being a pure atheist, you know, because there are many of those folks in my life and have been, you know, converted. Um, but it's always nice to, to get a perspective, especially from someone who was a true atheist, you know, and coming out of that culture. Um. Well, atheism is, is more than a culture, and that's probably a conversation for another day. But also, I think someone who is not interested in discovering about God, you know, will probably not, though in my case, I wasn't, but God still revealed himself. So that's always a possibility. But I think uh, to have the humility of being uh, willing to listen to what believers have to say, I think it's very important because um, I am the living proof that you do not check your brains at the door when you embrace faith. If anything, nothing has intellectually challenged me and stressed, stretched me more than faith in the most beautiful sense. I feel like my five senses and my intellect are sharper than they've ever been. And that is a result of the Holy Spirit at work. So that is a reality, but you cannot know what I'm talking about because you haven't tasted and seen. And so again, back to the dark chocolates, 
uh, you're going to have to take a bite. You're going to have to trust God. You're going to have to believe him at his word for just long enough to take a bite of the chocolate. And if you don't like it, you don't have to keep chewing the chocolate. I, that's a fact. God is humble and meek, and he offers himself to those who seek him, but he also uh, invites you to taste and see. So what I would say is the measure of humility that comes from saying, you know, I don't believe but I'm open to the possibility of considering what it would feel like to believe, to try those shoes on for size for just a moment, for just a season, put on that coat and see how it fits. Uh, when we go to the store to buy a new pair of shoes, we try them on before we buy them. And if they don't fit, we leave them. But if they fit like a glove, and that's a poor metaphor for shoes, I'm a shoeholic too, so I love shoes. And so uh, if, if you find the right pair of shoes and they're comfortable and they're gorgeous and they're on sale, in this case, they're completely free, um, you, you, you get them, right? Why wouldn't you? And so, so it is with God. Just give him a chance. Try him on for size. See what happens. Um, and allow your Christian friends to speak into it. And I would say, I mean, I would assume the majority of the audience listening are believers and maybe they do have uh, non-believing family members and friends like I do. And so I would say, try that approach of just the humble approach of praying for them and then ask them to consider if they might be not willing to embrace faith, but might they be willing to be made willing? That is a step removed. It's not nearly as uh, maybe scary as the whole concept of believing. It's like, just be open to the conversation. Love that. Thank you, Stephanie. And thank you again for taking the time to be on the show, a blessing, an honor, a gift with sharing what wisdom God has given you and your God stories. And I know like I've shared many, many will be blessed by what you've shared. And I can't wait to share this podcast. Also, can you share where others can reach you. Yeah, so right next door from your podcast is my podcast. It's called Gospel Spice. You can't miss it. So I would say that's probably the easiest thing, gospelspice.com. You're going to find our podcast. You're going to find our ministry, Bible studies. Uh, we are wrapping up our own series on the tabernacle from a Christ-centered perspective on the podcast right now. I warmly invite you because we are bringing you deep into an experience of scripture like no other because the Holy Spirit will meet you on uh, the episodes of the Gospel Spice podcast through the tabernacle this past season. We're wrapping up just for Christmas and then we have some amazing guests over Christmas and then we'll pick up with an amazing study in January where we will be looking at the consequences of sin in human relationships and human dignity. And we will talk about uh, human trafficking, racial reconciliation, and much more and what sin has to do with all of that. So we invite you to check out the Gospel Spice podcast and gospelspice.com. You'll also find me on Facebook, Instagram, but really gospelspice.com is your hub for everything we do. Awesome. I will tell you, I'm so picky about what I listen to and I don't have the time, but Stephanie, I like your podcast. There's just a couple out there and that I will say your podcast challenges my faith and that's what's important. Thank you. It's the Holy Spirit at work in you. Yes. Oh, I love it. And I'm reading an incredible book by Anne Graham Watts. Mm -hmm. I don't know who she is. If you know, oh, I, yeah. Jesus in you. Yeah. I cannot wait to finish it. Yeah, I was with her not too long ago at a conference. So yeah, I know her. Oh, I love her. Oh my goodness. So 
she's a blessing as you are too. So friends, thank you. I will have this episode available to listen to on our website and other information about Stephanie. And until the next show, friends, be heard and be healed. Altered Stories Ministry is a faith-based, nonprofit, and women's evangelistic storytelling ministry located in Overland Park, Kansas. If you enjoyed listening to today's story, your family and friends would probably benefit from hearing how God works in the lives of women all over the world, too. So please, subscribe to our show and share the link to this podcast. Share it on your social media. We also welcome your valued feedback on our stories. Also, we'd appreciate your prayerful consideration in sponsoring one of our future God-glorifying stories and welcome your tax-exempt financial donation. To find out more on how you can support our ministry, you can log on to our website at www.alteredstories.org. 